<laughs> suing the devil? Well, if I was planning on suing the devil, I know who I'd serve the papers to. You pedantic, raging alcoholic ass. The following podcast contains... But swearing and using dirty words is not one of my vices. I don't use foul language, and I don't like to hear anyone else use it either. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the Patreon bonus podcast that asks a simple question. When you literally condemned a process server to hell to serve the papers on your petty nuisance lawsuit, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe, this is our first Patreon bonus for Spooktacular 2022 and we're calling it We Call Satan to the Witness Stand. But we don't take the devil in our own hands, we take him to court. Stay tuned. What the hell are you thinking? Podcast is brought to you by Agamemnon and Associates, attorneys at law. When you need a hell of a good lawyer, call Agamemnon. We all know the law is complex and often frustrating experience. And if you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you need a lawyer who will stop at nothing to defend you. Agamemnon and Associates, special in criminal, divorce, corporate law. And we are the only law firm that can make the promise that you will always win your case, no matter what it takes. After all, knows the law better than demons from hell. Worried about costs? Don't be. Agamemnon and Associates love a pro bono case, so long as you're willing to sign away your immortal soul. You weren't using it anyway. Agamemnon and Associates, just a small blood sacrifice and a willingness to spend eternity in hell, and your legal problems will go away forever. This is Vonda Breakaway, the plaintiff. She sold her immortal soul to the devil in return for success in her hairdressing business, but now claims that the devil cheated her. She seeks nullification of the contract plus damages. This is Mephistopheles, the devil. He claims that he did keep his part of the bargain and that the plaintiff is simply trying to welch out of her legal commitment. He seeks the soul plus court costs. The situation you are about to see is real. The people are not actors. They are actual litigants in cases filed in a California municipal court. They have agreed to waive their right to trial and to have their disputes settled in our forum. The People's Court. Hello, I'm Doug Llewellyn. In a moment, the case of the beautician and the beast. I was once a party to a lawsuit. I take it this is a paternity case. What? No, 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 no. I mean, honestly, what woman would swear under oath that she had actually had sex with me? Fair point. My case was a very simple one. Someone was spreading lies about me doing a very bad thing and was making it impossible for me to get a job because of their lies. It's a raging alcoholic narcissist. No, that part is actually true. I, I can't go into specific details about the case because eventually we settled out of court and part of that settlement was neither one of us would ever mention each other again. But uh, what I can tell you is some of the things they said about me were hurtful, untrue, and self-serving on their part. They would tell you, of course, that what they said about me was fair and accurate and that I'm a total asshole. Which, hey, that might be true, but being an asshole isn't illegal and I didn't actually do the things that they said that I did. I didn't really plan on suing anyone because lawsuits were expensive and I was unemployed because, again, people were telling lies about me, making it impossible for me to get a job. 
But that's when my friend's dad stepped in and took my case pro bono. That was very nice of him. Yes, it was, but also Ron was semi-retired, kind of bored, and he just likes suing people. I mean, after all, he is a lawyer. And our plan was pretty simple. Because lawyers are expensive, he would file the case, and after he scared the shit out of the other side with the, with the lawsuit, he would offer a settlement where if they stopped talking about me, we would drop the case. And of course, what happened was they got a pro bono lawyer because I guess everyone has a lawyer friend, and they filed a countersuit against me. Well, shit. They claimed that not only did I do the thing that they said that I did, but I was going around slandering them, which I wasn't. I mean, who the fuck was listening to me? I didn't have a low-rated podcast at the time, but what I did have was a Facebook page, and they claimed that's that's where I said all the bad things. Did you say those things? Um, I said things, but I didn't mention any names. I mean, I was mad, and they were lying about me, and... Maybe I might have insinuated the people involved were less than ethical, but only in the context of their lies about me. They said, however, that I was talking about their business, but I wasn't. That never stopped the lawyers from saying that I was. Anyway, came down to that both lawyers sitting down, talking to each other, and coming to the conclusion that this was way more work than they wanted to do for free, and we settled the case with the aforementioned don't talk about each other agreement. Which brings me to what we're here to talk about today. Lawsuits. Specifically a certain kind of lawsuit. One against the slipperiest and most devious and unassailable person of them all. Mr. Donald Trump himself. No, no, I mean, I can see where you think that, but I was actually talking about the, uh... The devil? The devil. The devil. You might think suing the devil would be difficult. That would be totally absurd. What, would the devil not exist at all? But rest assured, pod friends... That's never stopped anyone from trying, which is why in 1986, one Ralph J. Forbes of London, Arkansas, filed a federal lawsuit against our sweet Lord Satan, the Arkansas Department of Education, the National Education Association, and the Russellville, Arkansas School District, along with the Church of Satan, on behalf of himself, Ralph J. Forbes, Jesus Christ, and the children. Not Ralph's children, just, just children in general. An absolute lunatic he is. Oh, he was more than that, but he was definitely that as well. What, you might ask, was Ralph suing the devil about? Well, I mean, it's the reason for the season. And Ralph was very upset that his local school district was allowing his said children to wear costumes to school on... Say Halloween! Halloween! Yeah, Alf was very upset about that non-Christian rituals were being observed in school because children were wearing Halloween costumes. Would you, uh, like to know what the most popular Halloween costume for kids was in 1986? I'll give you a hint. Care Bears Countdown. Four, three, two, one. Who's that coming from somewhere up in the sky? Yeah, Care Bears. Number one Halloween costume, 1986. And I'm not saying that the Care Bears were not sent here by Satan, because clearly they were. Now, Ralph was an interesting character. Groovyhistory.com, where I learned about the story, describes Ralph thusly, quote, It's important to know that Ralph Forbes wasn't just a cranky, anti-fun Christian. Ralph Forbes was a Nazi. A real American Nazi. 
He had been a high-ranking officer in George Lincoln Rockwell's American Nazi Party in the 1960s. Forbes was one of the few Nazis who made headlines in 1961 and got a nod in Bob Dylan songs for picking the movie Exodus in Philadelphia. Forbes was active in Rockwell's organization in the California in the 1960s. And at some point, Rockwell gave Forbes the jobs of setting up a Christian identity group. Christian identity is a white supremacist theology that, that figures white Europeans and not Jews are descendants of the Old Testament Israelites. By 1986, Forbes was identifying himself as a former member of the Nazi party. He was also working with the political campaign of American fa America's favorite Klansman politician, David Duke. Seems nice. Ralph himself was running to be a U.S. senator from the great state of Arkansas in 1986, and while he would probably be endorsed by the GOP today and get a ringing endorsement from the Cheeto Group of Fuhrer. In 1986, Arkansas was actually governed by a Democrat. You probably know him. Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Arkansas was still pre a pretty Democratic state in the 1980s, though Ronald Reagan had won it handily in 1984. Uh, uh, he said it. He said it. And Bill was on his fourth term as governor of that year. The then incumbent Democrat by the name of Dale Bumpers. That is not a name. I assure you, Dale Bumpers is actually a name in Arkansas. Dale had handily trounced Republican Asa Hutchinson in the election, but that's only because Ralph had peeled off, let me check exactly the count here, 52 votes from Asa's total. It was rigged, and, and then I demand a recount. Yeah, I know, but back then we actually th accepted things like facts when it came to losing an election. Asa turned out fine, oh, by the way. He's currently the governor of Arkansas. Now, I looked for details of this case. I, I really did. But again, this podcast is limited in its research budget, so tell your friends about us. And since those of you hearing this are actually the research budget, you need to tell a lot of friends. But aside from a couple of newspaper articles at the time and the groovy history story, which, which doesn't provide links to any of the legal documents or filings in the case, it's still my best source for the story. But I was able to confirm enough that matches their articles, so let's go back to groovy history. Quote, Naturally, this incredibly reasonable lawsuit found a judge willing to hear it out, U.S. District Judge George Howard Jr. And once a judge agreed to hear the case, attorney John Wesley Hall Jr. valiantly agreed to defend Satan at no cost to the devil himself. Hall represented the Lord of the Underworld pro bono publico, which means for the good of the public. It also couldn't hurt Hall to defend the devil should he end up in hell. Using his well-earned law degree, the devil's lawyer argued that the case should be dismissed on the grounds that there was insufficient evidence that Satan transacts business, owns property, or has committed torts in Arkansas. Furthermore, Hall argued that a lawsuit between Jesus and his client cannot be litigated in federal court under the provisions of the First Amendment, unquote. You can tell they took this trial very seriously. You know, Ralph wasn't the first one to file suit against the darkness. In 1971, an inmate in the Western Penitentiary in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, named Gerald Mayo, had had enough and wanted his day in court. Not against the state, but against our sweet Lord Satan and his servants. From Wikipedia, quote, He alleged that Satan has, on, enormous, on numerous occasions, caused plaintiff misery and unwarranted threats against the will of the plaintiff that Satan has placed deliberate obstacles in his past and caused the Platon's downfall and that therefore deprived him of his constitutional rights in violation of the United States Code. 
Mayo filed a pro forma pauperous. That is, he asserted that he would not be able to afford the costs associated with his lawsuit and they, that they therefore should be waived. Mayo decided that to file his suit against Satan and his minions, which was an external force over which the prison had no control. Objection, Your Honor, objection. <laughs> God damn. This was an actual court. It's, it's, it's right there in the docks. Alas, Gerald fell, fared no better than Ralph did. Quoting, quoting from the Hunted in Daily News in December 7th, 1981, Pittsburgh, a federal judge has refused to order Satan to quit placing temptations before a 22-year-old inmate at Western Penitentiary who claimed the devil had caused his downfall. The devil, with it all, said the U.S. District Court Gerald J. Weber on Monday when he threw this case out of court because federal marshals could not produce the devil. Gerald Mayo of Reading, Pennsylvania, filed a petition for the injunction against Satan and his staff and argued Satan had violated his constitutional rights by placing irresistible obstacles in his path. Weber said that the nearest thing he could find to a precedent was when Stephen Vincent Bennett's short story, The Devil vs. Daniel Webster, where Webster contended Satan was a foreign prince and could not sue in American courts, although he did not go that far. Weber said Mayo failed to show Satan lives within the court's jurisdiction and that federal marshals were not told how Satan could be summoned, unquote. <laughs> Literally, it got tossed out because Satan didn't show up in court. <laughs> However, Gerald's case did have lasting impact on the legal profession, and it is taught to law students even today on the importance of proper process service. <laughs> Again, from Wikipedia, quote, <laughs> the textbook Civil Procedures Cases, Materials and Questions, 8th edition by Freer et al. cites in the third chapter stating, when the marshal's office does serve process, the plaintiff may be required to instruct the marshal on how to do so. In Mayo v. Satan and his staff, blah, 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 some stuff about court stuff. The court dismissed the case because the plaintiff failed to render such aid when asking the marshal to serve the devil himself, unquote. <laughs> However, if you still want to sue the devil, all is not lost. I have discovered a useful essay written in the year 2000 in the Virginia Law Review called Suing the Devil, a Practical Guide for Practitioners. But it was written by now Professor Charles Jablon, who teaches civil procedure, corporate law, corporations, cybersecurity, international business transactions at Yeshiva University, Cardoza School of Law. Though I, I did notice that he doesn't include this particular article on his selected work webpage. Now I find this on JSTOR. It is linked in the show notes. You should read the entire thing. It's free if you just sign up with an email. And it is truly delightful. A few select passages from Professor Yablon's treatise on suing the devil. Quote, I know suing the, de the concept of a lawsuit, preferably a class action, against the devil strikes many lawyers as bizarre, perhaps even absurd. I completely understand such concerns. Obviously, Satan is a formidable legal opponent. He's well-financed, highly intelligent, very aggressive, and completely unscrupulous. I believe he has had formal legal training. 
Yet the point of this essay is to show that in a world in which Philip Morris, Microsoft, and Rupert Murdoch are all targets of litigation, the devil isn't really so tough. Moreover, while satanic litigation does pose some unique jurisdictional and procedural difficulties, none of them, as I will subsequently demonstrate, poses an insurmountable obstacle to a successful lawsuit. This essay is intended to provide such guidance to the harried practitioner looking for new litigation targets. It consists of two parts. The first takes a good hard look at Satan's prior legal career. It goes beyond the height that he usually accompanies the litigators to show that despite his inflated reputation, the devil's litigation record is spotty at best. The devil is no F. Lee Bailey and vice versa. The second part of this essay analyzes the legal technique and the legal problems involved in actually filing and prosecuting a lawsuit against the devil, an area which surprisingly little work has been done given the enormous number of potential plaintiffs. It shows that Satan is clearly amenable to a suit in both federal and state courts, particularly in New York, the jurisdiction with which I am most familiar. Based on fairly standard jurisprudence principles, litigation against the devil is not only possible, but potentially quite lucrative. Aggressive lawyering is very likely to be rewarded with substantial Mestafalian settlement offers. As everyone knows, the devil is always willing to cut a deal, particularly with lawyers. He's not wrong. Let's put Mayo aside then and carefully consider the actual legal issues that must that might be raised in a well-litigated lawsuit against Beelzebub. One naive objection we can easily dispose of is what I call the ontological defense. Only well, a very foolish or untrained jurist would suggest that the devil may not be sued because he does not really exist, that he's merely a fictitious entity wholly created by human imaginations to embark on their most darkest and malevolent impulses. The flaw in this argument will be immediately obvious to anyone with a modicum of legal training. Whether or not the devil really exists is, of course, completely irrelevant from the legal point of view. For most corporate lawyers, myself included, the vast majority of our clients do not really exist, but are similarly fictitious entities, many of whom have been created by humans out of some rather malevolent impulses. I fucking love this guy. <laughs> None of these fictitious entities, however, have the slightest trouble suing or being sued in a court of law. Existence is simply not a predicate for legal action. Courts are more than happy to consider claims against such non-existent entities, corporations, nations, deceased persons, and sunken ships, not to mention the ubiquitous John Doe and Jane Roe, unquote. Goddamn. This is a delightful look into the legal mind. If you can name it, you can sue it. <laughs> Seriously, it's worth giving this JSTOR your email just to read this entire article. All right, in summation, I go back to LeBlanc just for the end of this. God, I, this is the whole reason that I recorded this show. I, I've had it in the hopper all this time because I couldn't find any details. And then I find this beautiful article by an actual lawyer <laughs> that made it worth doing. Quote, in short, although the case against Satan is not a clear winner, it's certainly worth taking a shot. I'm cautiously optimistic, particularly if the action can be brought to a final verdict before a finder of fact. My research indicates that the devil is not expected to do well on Judgment Day. Finally, 
Then we come to the question of recovery. Assuming that our action is successful, will it actually be possible to collect on the judgment? Present time, I'm looking into this question to determine whether or not it's possible to garnish the wages of sin. Some remedy would be nice, but I don't think it's essential. If anyone actually manages to get a judgment against the devil in the court of law, there will undoubtedly be hell to pay, unquote. I mean, these lawyers, they love a good story. Of course, the trial of the Lightbringer has long been the province of writers. Milton's Paradise Lost reads like a very long, very boring argument by the devil's lawyers. I had to trudge through this poem in college, and all I can say, if there is a hell, which there isn't, it will revolve around me being forced to read Paradise Lost. God save us. Then there's Faust, where a German scientist sells a soul to the devil, and after some really long and boring shit, discover that the devil might not have been entirely honest and upfront, and basically takes the devil to court to get his soul back. Milton was long and boring, but Faust is all of that, and also very, very, very German. Then there was the devil in Daniel Webster, which was mentioned in the previous court cases. Daniel Webster is uh, uh, was a lawyer in the 1800s and kind of an American legend that if you tell your kids about if you want them to grow up and be a corporate lawyer. And of course, there is the movie, The Devil's Advocate, which is not about suing the devil, but every time the topic of the devil and the legal system is brought up, you are legally required to make at least one reference to that movie and this is ours. And look, I totally understand the desire to sue the devil. I mean, I would never do that because the devil and I are cool. And also, the devil doesn't exist. But I think if you're going to sue someone for how fucked up your life is, you really want to go with the people actually responsible for your problems. Your parents! My parents! No, no, no. First of all, they, they don't have any money. And second of all... They did their best. It's not their fault that their parents were fucked up, and so they fucked you up, too. I'm talking about the real reason you personally are so fucking messed up. Yourself. Which is a thing that I actually wrote as a joke, but it turns out you can sue yourself. It's been done before. A website called donotpay.com which, okay, not the best source because it's ostensibly about suing people in small claims court, but actually has some relevant information on the topic, has this to say, quote, there are some, some bizarre lawsuits out there and at first filing suits against yourself may seem like something that may, you, may get you laughed out of court. There are occasions, however, that suing yourself may be the only course of action available to get compensated for damage that you've experienced. Often, when a lawsuit is filed for an accident, it was caused by recklessness or negligence. And while you may be suing the defendant, it's their insurance company that's on the hook for most of the liability that they can incur from your case. This could actually lead to the most common occasions when suing yourself could not only be a valid legal avenue, but also the only option available to you, unquote. Seriously, I didn't know this when I started this. I just wrote that as a joke. And then I discovered, yes, there is actual legal cited precedent. A Utah woman sued herself for the wrongful death of her common law husband in order to force his insurance to pay, and she won. Which, I mean, I guess, yes, she should win either way. But this is what the U Utah Supreme Court ruled in the case. 
quoting now from Justia.com, quote, Bagley, who sued under Utah's wrongful death and survival action statutes, brought suit to compel State Farm Insurance Company, with whom she maintained a motor vehicle insurance policy, to indemnify her. The district court dismissed the complaint, concluding that the person cannot simultaneously act as a plaintiff and a defendant in a wrongful death or survival suit. The Court of Appeals reversed. The Supreme Court affirmed, holding that the Court of Appeals did not err when it concluded that the wrongful death and survival action statutes permits a person acting in the legal capacity of an heir or personal representative to sue herself in an individual capacity for negligently causing the decedent's death or injury, unquote. She was driving a car, she got into an accident, her common law spouse died, and her insurance company wouldn't pay out for this, and she had to sue herself to force them to pay. Admittedly, I know that has nothing to do with the devil, I just I just found it really an amazingly interesting thing, which is what this podcast is supposed to be all about. But that aside, you want somebody to answer for the everything that's wrong in your life. But I don't think you should be suing Satan. Sue God. That's who should be answering to everything that's wrong in the world. I mean, presumably God made it and God made you and God is responsible for everything that happens in the world. So why would you sue Satan for that? Sue the motherfucker responsible. Also, you you can be pretty sure that God's lawyers aren't very good because all the really good lawyers are working for the devil, and he keeps them on retainer all the fucking time. On Oops! The Podcast, join me, comedian Julio Gallerati, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. That is it for the Patreon bonus for 2022. And it's the first one. I'm going to do another one. I've got, an, I've got, I'm going to do some creepy pastas or creepy horror story. I don't know what we're going to do. There'll be one more before the end of October. October is really, really five, five episodes in October for the spooktacular has just been a fucking hell of a thing for me to try and do. But look, thank you for donating. And for keeping this low-rated podcast in just a few dollars. I appreciate all of you, and I wish I had the time and energy to do more for you. But we're a small shop, and all of your money really just goes to Payne Gavin, who is worth every penny of the $27 a month we make from Patreon. And look, if the devil ever does come through on their promise that, that they would work out so I could sell the show to Spotify or Stitcher or Wondery, I swear to you that your names will be in every show credit for the enduring support you've given. No joke. I really do appreciate it. And so for me, Dave, please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste, but so, producer. Oh, please, you are most definitely neither of those. Gavin and all the fictional fictional devil's advocates on this show, we want to say, pleased to meet you. And we hope that you aren't troubled by the nature of our game. We'll be back one more time this month for yet another spooky special. See you then.
What the hell were you thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions? The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Like it's the fruits of the devil, evil.